Welcome to Songwriter Trysts, an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. To support the podcast and follow our journey, you can find us on songwritertrysts.com. I think I understood it was getting bad again when I started to do everything sitting down. And I think I understood it was getting bad again when a smile became more difficult to produce than a frown, when the room didn't light up whenever I was around, and when the tears came silently, not creating any sound. And I think I knew it was getting bad again when my own internal clock stopped ticking. When the itching for joy became my new favorite pastime When a laugh with my friends cost much more than a dime It was more like an act that I put on With a grinning mouth that isn't even mine And I think I knew things were getting bad again When my bed went from being a resting place to being a tomb Welcome to a songwriter tryst with Ethan Jewell And slightly sick, Rayleigh. <laughs> I would like to get to know a little bit more about your musical poetry, which is actually a really new experience for me. I like to start by asking you as the artist, who are you and where do you come from? Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. And I am from Dallas, Texas in the United States, Ooh. which I've lived here my entire life. Recently started as an artist back in 2019. It's funny because prior to that, I uh, I had no interest in music or poetry of any kind. Actually, I hated the poetry section in my English class that I took my junior year of high school. And then one thing led to another and I started posting videos on TikTok and suddenly I had thousands yeah. of people practically begging me to put my music out there, which was crazy. And I, I just kind of thought to myself, wow. well, I mean, might as well, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and, and before you know it, now so, I'm uh, releasing my third album. <laughs> it's crazy how things yeah. happen. Yeah, it's crazy. So how did one thing lead to all that? Like, why did you go from not liking or doing anything to putting it on TikTok? Mm, um, so... What I really, what, what I didn't like, I was not a big fan, you know, in, in high school, you're taught all about like old poetry, mm-hmm. which it's beautiful. It's art. Don't get me wrong, but it's hard to read, especially if you're younger and have no real connection to it. I mean, it's, it's tough to read Thoreau and Shakespeare and, you know, all, all those guys. But, it's hard to relate to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But what really got me into it was finding an emotional connection within it. Just like with Mm. with any form of art, if you can Mm. get emotionally involved into it, it becomes a hundred times more special. And that came from, I want to say, just after my junior year of high school. My my grandfather had passed away not too long before that. And uh, it's totally fine. I was, but at at the time I was dealing with some, with some emotional problems surrounding that. Didn't really know how to deal with them. I opened my notes app one day and I wrote out essentially a conversation with him, but it was, it was kind of in poetry form without even realizing it. 
And I wrote that out and I, yeah. I felt, I felt 10 times better the moment I had that written out and down in my notes app. And, uh, and I kind of had this, this moment where I went, Oh shit, like, this is really cool. I can emotionally process yeah, through, through poetry, yeah. through art and something just clicked. And then ever since then I started writing and I started sharing and it just became this amazing outlet for me. And uh, I've just been using it as such ever since and sharing it with other people, hoping that it can be an outlet for them as well. That's beautiful. That's what I was going to ask because it's a lot of people find art a really therapeutic way to process their emotions, mm. but it's a whole other thing and it's very brave to share that with anyone. Right. What What inspired you to, you know, put yourself out there and be so vulnerable with your your work. Well, I, I got to say it's it's not easy. I mean, you've got it you, you nailed it when you said it's a, it's a whole different beast to share it with other people. Still to this day I've been doing this for almost two full years now and I'm yeah. still nervous as I'll get out about my album coming out. I mean, I'm I'm terrified. <laughs> I, I'm, it it doesn't feel real <laughs> to be feeling. honest. Yeah. Really, it was just shortly after after a breakup, I, I made my TikTok account because one of my friends told me, they were like, you should make one and, and like post thirst traps and it'll help you get over them, right? Because you'll, <laughs> you'll have all these people yeah. like complimenting you. And yeah. at, at, at first I was resistant to that idea, of course, but then I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah. So I started posting yeah. really embarrassing. I've gone back and deleted all of them because oh man, I, I don't need that in, on my uh, digital footprint. But uh, what what's a thirst trap? Thirst trap. It's essentially yeah, it's a video where you're using your physical appearance to like to like thirst people into liking your videos, right? Or you like try to look sexy. Uh, yeah, it was a bad period in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's okay everyone needs validation yeah exactly sometimes. good what's what's better yeah. than validation from strangers on the internet right I know, it's addictive yeah. it's like i don't even know why that it makes it <laughs> i guess because it's, it's really like short-lived right you don't have to like keep the connection oh, yeah. like they compliment you and then you never talk to them again and it's just like there's no commitment. yeah Anyways, I uh, just, it's just like lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I slowly transitioned somehow from thirst traps to posting me playing the piano, and then I posted a video of me like singing, which I can't sing very well, but it was fun. And then just slowly, uh, it was like one, one day I was like, you know, why not? Here's this poem. Mm. I, I was listening to Hobo Johnson a lot of the time. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a he's a spoken word artist. One of the one of the biggest spoken word artists out there. I was listening to him a lot and I just kind of got inspired to throw piano over this poem that I wrote and I shared it. And, mm. uh, and overnight it got like 80,000 likes or something crazy. And instantly I just saw these people who were, who were relating to it and they were talking about, wow, you just described how I've been feeling. It mm. was, it was the poem snow globe, which quickly became mm. one of my biggest and people were talking about, yeah, like that feeling of being trapped in your head, like you're a tiny human yeah. trapped in a snow globe. You know, that's the whole analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized like, wow, a lot of people just need to hear this stuff. They just need to hear that somebody else is struggling mentally, the same as them. And mm. eventually I, I, I almost got kind of hooked on that feeling of of knowing other people could relate and knowing that other people felt understood through that just 
kept yeah. posting ever since. Tonight, I finally realized that nobody really gives a shit. I mean, I know it sounds harsh, but often that's what reality is. You see, it started off slowly. Notifications on my phone became an uncommon occurrence. Sometimes my presence felt as though it was testing others' endurance. So I wondered if there was a remedy. A remedy for this isolation I began to feel. So I adapted. I got louder in conversations so I wouldn't get drowned out. I didn't tell if they asked how I was because what if they found out? It's not like they'd care. I mean, they would just judge and then not be there, but that's okay. Because that's just how it goes. But then it started going quicker. Caring eyes strayed away from me. It felt as though there was no remedy. I longed to be held, but instead I was shunned. But it's okay because he has so many invisible people out there for him. Lonely nights became far too common. I was painfully aware of my own thoughts. A few said that they would be there for me. So it's kind of like thirst trapping, but instead of your body. <laughs> exactly, it's it's an emotional thirst trap instead of a physical one. Yeah, but that's exactly what like art is. But it it is very brave and courageous. But it's beautiful to share as mm-hmm. well. And I think that that took me a really long time to actually like share my art with anyone. You know, mm-hmm. like it, I would do it in my bedroom, and like I had that emotional release, like you said. But, God, I wouldn't share that. I think I was just ashamed of, you know, there's like a lot of shame around mental health. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it's like where you're like, I'm in Australia and it's even now, even that like they have mental health days and they have like all this awareness stuff, but there's still like this deep-seated shame mm-hmm. of if you're not okay, that's your own fault kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit I've, I've thought about that a, a lot because what we, what we do is we have these little romanticized mental health things like, oh yeah, little men- mm. mental health days and self-care. Exactly. All this yeah. kind of stuff. If you have depression, if you have bipolar disorder, if you have borderline mm. personality disorder, a mental health day and some blue ri- ribbons don't mean shit to you. I mean, they don't mean a thing because nope. we, because we love romanticizing the idea of mental illness of like, oh, you're sad today, drink some hot chocolate and read a book and you'll be okay. Yeah. That, Give a friend a Yeah. Hand. And that's just, it's not realistic. We stray away from the realistic part of mental health. And that is mm. not showering for days because you can't get out of bed. And that is, yeah. you know, not talking to friends. And that is completely not taking care of yourself or lashing out at people. And no, mm. nobody likes that because you can't romanticize that. So what, what we are doing no. is we are creating this culture of fake mental health help. And it is making people who are actually very mentally ill feel even worse because they're going, oh, well, shit, yeah. I'm, I'm trying these self-care things. I'm, I'm taking cold showers and I'm journaling but I still feel bad, yeah. but people are saying this is supposed to help me. Why, why do I still feel bad? There must be something wrong with me. And 
yeah. in some ways it can it can make it even worse you know and until we face the the reality of mental illness that is quite frankly gross and scary at times we have to accept mm-hmm. that and we can't just you know keep a little romanticized oh you're sad we'll take take care of yourself you'll be okay that's just it's not realistic mm. at all i think what i mean and maybe this is something that you relate to as well but like i i hate we have like are you okay day and all these sorts of things and i i've have i have a really big mental health history and yeah i hate those but when i listen to art and i relate to someone and i can hear i can hear the darkness in mm-hmm. their art even if it's beautiful it can be a beautiful fun upbeat song but if you can if i can hear the darkness and the misery in that and the triumph in what they've been through as well mm-hmm. that makes me feel good right i relate to that i feel i feel like i can kind of hear some of that in you do you feel that yes definitely i would say one of my biggest goals is to be as raw as possible within what i create i think having you know a layer of of fakeness in a way a a lot of people when they're creating art they they set off with very specific intentions about what they're going to create and they decide you know if, if it doesn't come out the way they want it to then they haven't created good art you know and I, I, I put heavy, heavy quotations on good art because I don't think good, okay. I don't think good and bad That's art. Yeah. I don't think good and bad art exists. I think there's simply art. And so within what I'm creating, my, my goal is never for it to be good. It's never for it to achieve a certain goal. Instead, it is an attempt to express the most raw parts of me because mm. what I found is other people don't feel comfortable with those raw parts of themselves unless mm. they hear or see somebody else being comfortable with it. So in, in a way, although the vulnerability is scary, you know, as you mentioned before with sharing it to others, it's mm. all a different thing. It's scary. It's, it's, yeah, it's just nerve wracking. It's anxiety inducing to, <laughs> to have strangers, you know, commenting on the deepest parts of you and hearing that. But yeah. at the same time, is it- there's that beauty in it, you know, there's a raw beauty in yeah. it. I think for me that anxiety probably comes from what if no one else does feel this way? <laughs> <laughs> what if I am completely insane yeah. and it's going to, I think the fear is it's going to make me feel like I've romanticized it or something like like one of those mental health days and then I'm going to feel even worse again. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where maybe it comes from. But that hasn't happened so far. But there have, like I don't know about you, but I definitely have had, very long messages and projections from people who are like, oh, you just need to be happy or you just just need to get over it, like put some concrete in your coffee. And it's helped me when I've received those sort of comments and things, I think, because it's helped me realise that it is just that. I've triggered something in this person that they're not able to deal with and so they're projecting onto me how they're dealing with stuff, Mm -hmm. which is maybe not very healthy. (laughs) But... (laughs) But at the same time, like I haven't taken offense. It's like, wow, I've actually been able to make that person that make that person question what they've done to deal with their trauma or, or what they're going through. It's you almost know, like I'm doing it completely different. It's 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 interrupted. Maybe oh, no, that's not how I want to say that. It's it's almost it's uh, set them in motion, maybe in a way, and you've yeah. been able to see that. I don't know, interruptions a good one. Yeah, like. Pain, pain and interruption is the strongest catalyst for change. Mm-hmm. And like, 
maybe that's what we need. Right. Because why would you, why do you want to just suffer in that suppressed yeah. mode of not being able to do well, that, that, That's the thing. Something I, I've become very familiar with is sadness or mental illness is really comfortable. It gets incredibly comfortable yeah. after a while. And that's why we see people mm. not wanting to get help because after a while it consumes your identity. When somebody has mm-hmm. lost themselves within trauma or hurt or sadness for long enough, they don't know who they are outside of that. And it's scary. So yeah, it's, it's a lot more comfortable to stay where you are and to stay in that place of hurt. And like you said, you know, maybe that interruption, that awareness is exactly what you need to jump out of that. Yeah, absolutely. I am, I have three kids and they're they're all gorgeous and little, but I had really severe personal depression after all of them. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was scary because it's not just my life. It's, it's a baby's life as well. That's kind of impacted by that. And so I, I did get help as hard as it was. I did get help because it was their life, not mine. That was, you know, important. And I remember I, that was the first time I ever took like antidepressants or went into sort of like a mental health home Mm -hmm. to get some support. And after a three week stint of being on antidepressants for the first time in my life and, uh, and getting some serious, like intense therapy in hospital therapy, I remember we came out and I went on a holiday and we were kind of just trying to rebond because I'd been away from the family for so long. And I remember feeling happy, mm-hmm. like genuinely just feeling joy for the first time in I think my entire life. Mm. Like I could not, I don't, I didn't even know what that feeling felt like anymore. And just being able to feel that joy made me want to get help yeah. and made me want to continue to get better. Yeah, that's beautiful. Which, you know, because I was really anti drugs and things like that. And I was like, no, I'll be fine, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I think that, you know, the antidepressants plus the talk therapy that I continued to do for like eight years really helped. So so it was like in a way, in a way you almost got a wake up call and you were like, all right, like something needs to change. Cause, cause, cause yeah, you couldn't, like, you couldn't I, just yeah. use the excuse. Having a kid is a big thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you couldn't just keep using the excuse of, oh, it's just me, you know, whatever. Now you're like, oh shit, like there's, there's more to it. All right. Like my self-worth and the idea of what's the point in getting better because I'm not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thought pattern was there. But as soon as I was responsible for not just one or two, but three other human beings, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I should <laughs> maybe, do something it's, about Maybe this. it's time, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's time to to get better, and and I obviously had some support, and I think that's been a big thing for me as well. I used to do everything on my own, like you got to be really independent, you got to do everything on your mm. own, kind of. That's a mentality that's really strong in Australia, and um, I don't know. I just realized it's like actually, hey, I want to, I want to like have people in my life that I can trust and lean on when I need to, and that they can lean on me mm-hmm. and like have that closeness. That yeah, yeah, definitely. That's cool. Anyway. Thanks for letting me share. <laughs> of course. Tell me, what about your journey? Like you said that, you know, your, your grandfather passed away, but like, I don't know, like what what is your journey that has got you to, like what was your relationship with your grandfather or was there other catalysts that made you feel so deeply and connected mm. to your emotions? There's There's been there's been a lot of things kind of building up and I, I wish I could give you just one event or one, you know, trauma that had just 
bam. And then, and, oh, and then I became a poet and I became an artist and I'm, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, that, that, that's, that's all bullshit. It's yeah. I've been taught my whole life. I have a wonderful mother. I've been so blessed with the most amazing mother. She mm. taught me my entire life about the importance of knowing yourself, knowing your emotions, spreading kindness to others. You know, the, the idea of, yeah, the idea of the ripple effect was one of the first lessons that I remember her ever teaching me in life. And just overall, she, she, she taught me to be in tune with my emotions, which I'm thankful for because that's a very rare thing that we see in, in men in America. It is. Can can I have your mom? <laughs> yeah. Your mom yeah, rent a mom. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's beautiful. And so, really, from day one, I was taught that. But I found myself losing that part of me as I went into high school because, mm-hmm. you know, I was launched into a cycle of people pleasing where I made a ton of friends, and I realized that making them laugh was like the best thing in the world. And I didn't mm. want them to ever see any part of me other than the part of me that made them laugh. So for those four years straight, I did not allow myself to feel a single other emotion than that, that happiness mm. and the outward joy that I learned was a rewarding behavior. And yeah. so I found myself almost like addicted to not, feeling any of my feelings so you're worried they wouldn't like you if you yeah yeah exactly i i I just wanted to people please i didn't i just wanted them to see me as this happy-go-lucky guy that never had any problems yeah okay and in reality there was there was a lot going on i i i struggle with just straight chemical imbalance you know really no Mm. no cause to it either passed down or i was just born with it I haven't thought too hard in it about it because at the end of the day, what I feel is what I feel regardless of how I label it, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, there, there was the event of my grandfather's death that kind of jumped me out of that a little bit. And then it was really just a slow progression as I started writing after that. And then I started sharing mm-hmm. and then, I just became more and more in tune with myself and my emotions. And I wanted to write more and I wanted to learn more about myself. And I wanted to, you know, discover things like, why do I feel this way? Or why some days can I not get out of bed? Mm -hmm. And those kind of things. Because once I started going to therapy and I was diagnosed with uh, depression and possible rapid switching bipolar, both of which aren't Mm -hmm. fun aren't fun at all. And so I've, I've really, I've turned to poetry as a form of understanding myself and as a form of expressing Mm -hmm. those, um, those more harsh parts of myself that I never allowed myself to express when I was a bit younger. So that's, that's really been the journey is just really allowing myself to, to feel these things and allowing myself to be more than somebody who makes, you know, other people laugh. Because while, while that's great, there's so much more to life, you know. There's 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 a time for every emotion. Ex- exactly, you know. Yeah. I think of it like the seasons. You got to allow yourself yeah. to feel all the seasons. Because I mean, without winter, you wouldn't be able to feel spring. You wouldn't be able to feel summer. 
And it's the same thing, you know, yeah. without sadness. It's a life cycle. Yeah, without sadness, you mm-hmm. can't feel happiness. Um, if you can't, if you can't mm-hmm. feel the negative, you don't even appreciate the positive. Yeah, exactly. If you don't know how dark it's been, you don't know what the light even mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And I, I think the same with like in each emotion, there's like a dark and a light side. Like with sadness, when you feel it, it means you're able to have compassion for other people mm. and grace for other yeah, people. Yeah, that's a beautiful you thing. You know what they're going through. You know, yeah, it is beautiful. So, just a little bit about your writing process because this is a songwriting podcast <laughs> kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you do entirely on your own? Have you ever sort of worked with other people on creating your music? Uh, it has. It's it's been me from the start. I'm a little bit protective, if anything, over my my songwriting. So no, I've, I haven't even let anybody else come close to touching anything I've written. Honestly. Fair enough. And that have you received any advice sort of around like what you're doing and growing what you're doing? Not really. I'm gonna be honest. It's mm-hmm. it's been a kind of just stay in my own lane journey, figure things out for myself. The biggest I mean, the biggest like advisor I have is my dad, who he's been making music his entire life. He you know, that as as a hobby, he's never made it in quotes. But, you know, as a hobby okay. pretty much ever since he was a teenager, he's been in and out of bands, making music, just loves to do it on the mm. side. So he's been the biggest supporter of me. He's actually my producer, ironically, which, which, awesome. which works out Go great. Dad. Yeah, it works. So mom's your counseling advisor and your dad's your producer. I know, right? Let's keep it all in-house. Exactly. <laughs> I, I never have to leave. It's convenient. Do you perform at all live? I have never done a show. I, I started you know, just around COVID time is when my first album came out, December 2019. Yeah. And then three months later, we were locked down, couldn't go anywhere. And only recently has live music come back. Yeah. But I mean, that kind of segues, I guess. I am going on tour in uh, January Ooh. of next year. So wow. super excited about that. How you feeling? Man, I'm nervous. I've uh, <laughs> I've been spending so much time putting together my show because now, you know, I'm two months out and I'm still like working on shit like my set list. And I'm thinking, ooh, I am behind schedule, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously. So. Like going from doing what you, you know, TikTok to releasing and doing a show and then COVID and then to go back out and do like a tour. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah, that's epic. Yeah. So just be, be compassionate to yourself and allow yourself to make mistakes. It's just cool. It's Ex- all exactly. Of yeah. I'm, yeah. At the end of the day, I, it was funny. I actually, I, I totally wanted to play a show in Australia because I actually, I have a, <laughs> I have a weirdly large market in Australia. Yeah. I think in my top 10, like largest cities, like listener, I think three of them are Australia. And for a while. It's probably because we've all been in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the last exactly. Two years. Yeah. Sydney was my number one for about a month not too long ago. So uh, really? yeah. That's so cool. It's funny. Go Sydney, rocking at number one. <laughs> exactly. They've really not had it easy lately. Mm-hmm. They've been... Yeah, they, they they need a good cry, huh? Oh yeah, and you know everyone needs a good cry sometimes, but I probably Sydney, <laughs> <laughs> Sydney and Melbourne. Um, okay, so I, I want to ask you. This is like a question that I sometimes ask people, and this is probably not going to take you back too far. But usually, I'd say like if you could go back in time, knowing what you know now. And maybe talking, like talk to yourself, you know, when you're going through that 
people-pleasing phase mm-hmm. and just give yourself one piece of advice, would, would you say anything? What would you say? I mean, it would, it would just be feel your feelings, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, that's something I, I say to everybody. Feel your fucking feelings. There's no reason not to. It, it will only yeah. hurt you in the long run if you don't face what yeah. you're feeling now. I have a good friend, much older than me. She's, I think of her as a, a mentor and she had a pretty difficult um, childhood and only recently started getting into therapy now about halfway through her life. And one thing she's, she's told me is her biggest regret is not getting into therapy and facing what she's feeling 25 years ago. That's her biggest regret yeah. because during that time it's, it's, marinated and it's it's gotten stronger and those the trauma has gotten worse as it's been just pushed aside and now she's having to to face it head on and Mm. and she desperately wishes that when she was a teenager she would have just faced it and so she doesn't have to she's choosing to and i think that's really brave that she is because she wants something different mm -hmm. because i mean it's so many people don't it's easy to run from it forever because you know you can feel you can feel really shitty a lot of the times, but then whenever I, in the small period of time where you're feeling good, you'll think to yourself, "Oh, see, I can still feel good." So you know, I, I don't I don't need help. And most people they don't get help or they don't feel or face what they're feeling until they're at the point of no return and until they've tipped over the edge and they need yeah. help. And so yeah. the biggest thing is is face that shit before it gets to the need point. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a big advocate. I think everybody should should have a therapist, even when they're not going through hard. Yeah, stuff. me too. Yeah, I think, it's like a gym membership, right? Yeah, like you just yeah. need to have one. Exactly. <laughs> because you know people people who go to no, no people who don't go to therapy make other people have to go to therapy. <laughs> so if everybody went to therapy, we we wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, or we could like just all be better friends to each other and actually be trustworthy and mm-hmm. <laughs> not have to like pay someone to keep our secrets. Yeah, if only. <laughs> if only. Yeah, and and that's a hard thing, but it's like okay, this person's job is to like, you know, protect me and listen to me and not judge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like that that really should be like the job of a friend. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Just in my in my mind and then like we've all been hurt by like gossip and backstabbing and stuff like that and it's like we can't trust anyone and that's kind of sad but yeah it's it's good to have good friends as well who we can talk to mm-hmm. but yeah no I think I think that's really good and I think if from what you're saying like feeling the feelings asking yourself what the feelings are what they really are and going into the depths of those feelings can be scary but so worth it and Definitely. like escapism comes out in so many ways and it is necessary to survive because sometimes our emotions are too much to deal with at a particular point. But, you know, my, my belief is if it comes up for you, then look at it. Don't suppress it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, don't force you, it. If, but, if, yeah. if, you, if you broke your leg, you wouldn't just keep walking on it like normal. You would mm. pay so much attention to it and you would get the best medical help that you can and you would rest it until it's yeah. better because your leg is important to you. So my question to people mm. always is, damn, well, if your brain is broken or if your heart is broken, that is, that is vital to your life. So why do you not give it the same attention that you would give to a broken leg? And that's something, uh, yeah, I I, I love that analogy and people never have an answer to it. 
that it le- it leaves them stumped and they go, Oh, yeah, it's kind of like a oh, shit moment. Like, I think before, like I was suppressed and like, you know, I was living in that with that mask on sometimes when I felt the pain and I didn't feel like other people would understand, I kind of wish that I'd break my leg. You know what I mean? Like I wish that it was, that, that it was something obvious that I could articulate and explain. And I feel like other people would go, Oh yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I understand. Broken leg. I can see it, you know? Whereas it's like, Hey, I've got a broken heart or like I'm feeling really suicidal or something. That is like not not everyone can see it, and so mm-hmm. not everyone can understand it. Or and then and then it can make you feel even more crazy yeah, <laughs> if you don't talk to the right person. Sometimes it can feel impossible to to explain it. You know, like um, yeah. on on my new album, I've got a track. It's the the interlude, and essentially, I recorded myself like ranting to one of my friends, yeah. just about what I was feeling, <laughs> and I and I put it over nice. this instrumental, a nice mm-hmm. little interlude, and you know, in it, I talk about. I go to therapy and I have to just say, he's like, how are you doing? And I have to just go, I just feel sad. And he'll be like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just feel mm-hmm. sad. <laughs> and trying to explain that to a, to a friend can feel so, so impossible. And a lot of times it's so much easier to just go, oh, I'm fine. than going, yeah. I'm sad and I don't know why. Yeah. It can be a hard thing. Yeah. I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. This is a question I ask everyone. And I don't really know how this relates for, for you and musical poetry, but I like to ask everyone if you could work with or co-write with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it be and why? Mm. I think it would be an artist called Flat Sound, mm-hmm. who is an incredible singer, songwriter, spoken word poet. He, he does it all. Mm-hmm. Some of the best sad music I've ever listen to i i try to not allow myself to listen to him anymore just because like it makes me feel so much like sometimes it's kind of overwhelming <laughs> incredible though definitely him i mean his style it's it's very dark and yeah and noisy yet so elo- eloquent and beautiful at the same time it's yeah it's really an incredible mix of music if you if you haven't checked him out definitely should i definitely will yeah it's great. It's funny you you mentioned that you said you try not to let yourself listen to it. I actually sent one of your tracks to a friend of mine. I was like, check out this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and and he actually said the same thing. He's like, wow, that's beautiful and intense. But he's like, but I couldn't listen to it too much or I'd, I'd get sucked into the darkness <laughs> that he's trying to avoid. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I find that I, I feel heavily yeah. through music. So I have to, I have to be careful <laughs> what I listen to sometimes. <laughs> but I think I think it is good, like you said, as seasons. And when you're feeling, when I'm feeling sad, it's nice to have something else like that helps me feel comfortable and accepted in those feelings. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I want to go on a road trip and I want to feel great. And I'm going to put on like something fun and exciting, you know. So like it, it's just different. It depends mm-hmm. on where you're at and what you need to process. Yeah, but absolutely. I think what you're doing is beautiful and very brave. Thank you. Because you know it. We're all trying to share our emotions through our art, but I think, you know, these, these mental health messages and emotions are conversations that can be harder to have and you're putting it out there in such a beautiful art form that I think you're helping a lot of people. So, yeah, keep doing it. Thank you. I'm sure Thank you will. Thank you very much. Oh, I, <laughs> I will. I, I'm, I'm going to be doing yeah. this as long as I uh, physically can, that's for sure.
Yeah, ditto. Is there anything else you would like to share before we finish up? Oh, man. I would just say to, to anyone and everyone who hears this, feel feel your feelings, man. Just just feel mm-hmm. those feelings. Don't deny it. If you need to cry, fucking let yourself cry. If you need to mm-hmm. spend a day in bed, let yourself spend a day in bed. If you need to punch a pillow, punch a pillow. Just, just whatever you're feeling, good, <laughs> bad, whatever, just fucking feel it, please. That's 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 my that. final note. Just feel your feelings. Man. That's beautiful. We're actually in the middle of Movember. Do you guys have Movember over there? Oh, I it's haven't a, heard of that. No. Movember is a mental health for men awareness month mm. that Australia runs, and all the men grow mustaches. <laughs> oh, well, we, so it's we, a mo. We have we have no shave November, and that's just people want to grow mustaches. I don't think there's any mental health connection to it. Oh, really? So ours is like about mental exactly. health awareness for men. Ours is about just growing mustaches. I'll have to look that just up. Grow them out. Maybe, maybe No Shave November is about mental health and I'm just totally ignorant. I'm going to have to look that up now. Yeah, maybe. We're doing that. I'm, I'm not sponsored by there or anything, but we're doing like a, a group, like try to build awareness. And I'm just thinking like with everything you've shared today, it's kind of ironically perfect for this yeah, month. So you thank you very much for jumping on and sharing. And um, I'm going to put all of your links and, you know, your TikTok and your Spotify and all that in the description of the podcast. And there'll also be a featured blog on songwritertrist.com. Perfect. But yeah, thank you so much for jumping on, Ethan. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks and for, um, thanks I really for having appreciate me. You. I, I really enjoyed this. And I'm going to this. have to get to Texas. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to have to come to Australia. And when you do, let me exactly. know. Exactly. I will. That'd be good. Awesome. Thank cool. you. All right. Take care. I'm so alone The empty light bulb has burned out And the tears in my eyes refuse to leak out I'm so alone 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 Thanks for joining our songwriter Trist today To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter Please leave a review and subscribe To support the podcast or contact me or our guest Please go to the website songwritertrists.com